A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast. It's Friday, May 5th. Last summer, I met the model Dennis O'Quara at a party. You may have seen Dennis in the pages of Vogue, or ID, or Dazed, or seen him in fashion shows for Grace Wales Bonner, or in ad campaigns for Christian Louboutin. And as Dennis and I got to talking, we learned that we both share heritage in East Africa, and parents who prioritized education. But Dennis shared more of his story with me, and I understood just how much he has endured 
to get to where he is at today, fleeing violent conflict in Uganda and coming to the UK as a refugee with his younger brother. This week on the BOF podcast, I'm so pleased to share Dennis's talk from BOF Voices 2022, where he explains how he has transformed his life through modeling and how he is finding purpose in pursuing an unconventional career to support his family and the community he comes from. Here's Dennis Oquera on the BOF podcast. So I'm here to tell you my personal story. I've rarely spoken about it, but I was born in northern Uganda in Kidgum district. It's quite closer to Sudan more than Uganda, really. And there's been a conflict there that has lasted almost 30 years, but it's rarely spoken of. So it's the rebels is called a load resistant army. It's headed by Kony and um I think they started off with good intention to overthrow the current government and liberate Ugandans, and, but it ended up really wrong. They thought the local community would just take it on and join the forces, but it didn't happen that way. So when the community resisted, they started torturing. They started abducting young boys, abducting women, raping women, they would burn houses, loot. So when they abduct you, from the age of 12, you're definitely getting abducted. So you start out by carrying looted goods for miles, for days. And then you prove yourself that you're worthy of staying alive and becoming a soldier. Some of these boys had to do so many awful stuff to stay safe and to obviously be a soldier. And if parents would resist them abducting the boys, they will ever be killed or get the boys to take their family life. They really did awful stuff. I remember my first encounter with the rebels was I got out. So I lived with my nun back then and she's had enough of sleeping in bushes because we used to sleep in Haida all the time, bushes constantly. And, um, She's had enough and she had me. I was young. I was about nine. And I came out of the house that day. We didn't go to hideout. She was like, that's it. So I came out of the house early and I saw a group of guys walking up and one was chasing a neighbor's chicken. And I was like, hey, leave that chicken alone. That's Odong. So my friend behind the house, his name was Odong. That's his chicken. And then he stood, he posed and looked at me for a little while and just carried on chasing the chicken. And then my nun heard me say that and just called me back in. So I ran back in. And then that's when my aunt heard about it and she came and took me from there to a, a much safer environment. She took me to Ginger. So I was in Ginger for a little while while my dad, who came here, he started to get asylum to bring me to the UK. So I remember we came in the UK in like March. I was buzzing. I had had enough of running around because I was quite scared. So I used to cry a lot whenever I hear bombs. And then most people didn't want to go to hide out with my nun because they don't want the crying child to let them be captured. So I was happy to be out there. So we came to the UK, me and my brother. It was in March and... I stepped out of the plane and I was like, wow, this is cold. What have I signed up for? 
Um, but, you know, I was looking for safety. I was looking for freedom that I had never seen. So they took us into immigration room and then they started asking us questions like, hey, what does your father look like? What's the name of your father? Do you know where he lives? Obviously, because we were really young boys, so they didn't want it to be, I guess, something else other than kids coming to their dad. So we knew what our dad looked like, but we had not seen him in years because he, he went through so many obstacles to come to the UK. And I think at that moment in time, had that person not been my dad, I would have still said, oh, yeah, that's my dad. Because I didn't want to go back to that. <laughs> I really didn't want to go back to that. I was just, um, I think, a desperate refugee who was just looking for inspiration from someone other than my family, anyone. So my dad took us in. We settled. We went to a bedsit that he was living in because he, he didn't have a permanent stay here either. So we lived in Bethnal Green in a bedsit. And we lived on food stamps because it couldn't work. And that food stamp was, um, it was quite interesting. You could only use it in two supermarkets. But where we lived, that supermarket wasn't near. And we even walked for a while to get to use this food stamp to buy food because the government never gave my dad any money, like physical cash, never. So, for instance, if you had a £20 note of food stamp, you got to buy everything worth that 20 pound note. So if you just wanted milk, you don't get balance back or change back or anything like that. So it was really tough. And that bedsit that he lived in, the landlord realized that, hang on, your children are not meant to be here. It was just for my dad. So that caused a whole thing where... Every day he would like, John, you have to take your children out of here because they're not supposed to be here. It's overcrowded. So every day we would pack our suitcase and go to, there was a homelessness office in um, Cross Harbour near Canary Wharf. So we used to go there every day to try to find a space to call home, you know. And for years it never happened. I think two years later, because we couldn't study. When you don't have a permanent address, you can't register into a school or anything like that. No NHS. So it ended up being like this struggle again. But at the same time, I saw positivity in it. Like, look, we can sleep fine. There's no bombs around. None of our neighbors is getting abducted the next day. So it was still fine. It was bearable. We've ended up finding a permanent home in Myland. After so many temporary accommodation, we got in Myland and then we registered in the school, studying, and then I got scouted. The first time I got scouted, my dad was like, no, you're not doing it. <laughs> you know, this is, this is an African dad who thinks anything outside education is a complete failure. So I just carried on studying. And then second time I got scouted, but I was really close to finishing my uni. So I was like, you know what? Okay, I'll come and see you guys. So I never did. And then I helped a friend with uh, their graduate collection and it went on Instagram. Then agents started 
asking, who is this guy? Could we meet this guy? So I went and met a couple. And um, I remember I was like, you know what? I need help. Because I was at university trying to support my aunt in Uganda. I needed to reduce how much workload my dad was going through because he's brought us here and he's still trying to support my aunt and my cousins in Uganda. So I signed a contract like on a Thursday, on a Saturday I had my casting, on a Wednesday I had my London Fashion Week show and I'd never, I had never walked a show ever. But I was like, you know what, I'm going to just blag it out and go with it. So I did. I remember walking up there and I was like, okay, I didn't know we needed makeup artists or anything like that. So I was looking at these young ladies just doing makeup on people. And then it's like, Dennis, it's your turn. And I was like, okay. So I just went with the flow of the show. And I remember um, after the show, people like asked me, say, hey, who represent you, this and that. And then I remember a few days later, I got an email my agent was like, Dennis, I got this young designer. You're starting, she's starting, she's at CSM. Her name is Grace Wells Bonner. And then I was like, yeah, wow, this lady thinks this much of me. Like, yeah, I'll do it. Because she didn't have a budget. Grace was a student as well. So I was like, I'll, I'll go and do it. So I went, I met Grace, and I've been working with Grace ever since. And since doing that, it's like, I've used the fashion industry, like all my earning that I was getting from it because the sole purpose of me getting into fashion was to try help my dad with supporting in Uganda. So I've, I supported three of my cousins. They've all finished university now. The last one finished in September, just before COVID hit. So which was a good timing. And then when COVID hit, obviously I'm supporting my aunt who sadly had HIV, and in Uganda, you don't get support for HIV. Medication is really tough. And um, I recently went to Uganda to obviously meet the community that I've been supporting there. I, so I send sanitary school essentials, nappies for young moms there, and formula food because the girls in my community are not really supported in education. And all the women in that community are not supported. And yet the community depends so much on these women. But going there, you know, it was quite emotional because I got to meet my mother for the first time in 24 years. So it still, yeah, it still can't. So I didn't know what it was like to have your own mum. So when she came up and we cuddled and, and she was like, I'm sorry. And I, and I didn't know why she was sorry because... Over the years, I've learned that, you know what, no mother would let their child just go. No mother would give out their child. So I knew that it must have been tough for her to just let me go. And uh, I saw the community was like, there's a lot of hardship in that community. I went to the school. I was buzzing to go to the school because I've been supporting this school since 2020. I was buying loads of masks, like face masks and stuff, sending there during COVID. And um, I went there, I spoke to the school principal, and I was like, okay, what is the hardest thing here? And he's like, look, we're struggling for food. Because I could see at lunchtime, the kids were not eating any food. 
The kids are standing beneath trees, just staring at each other. There's no playing facilities for these kids to forget about starving and just play. There's nothing. So you got all these kids just standing there, staring at each other's, nothing to eat. And I was like, why are they not eating? We're all farmers here. And he said, the parents have to obviously decide what's more important. I can feed my child breakfast, lunch, and dinner and have nothing to sell to pay their school fees, buy their uniform. And school fees is so expensive in Uganda. There's no free schools there. So when I came back, I founded Lumule Foundation and I, I hope and I'm praying that I can leave this community eventually better than how I found it. So I started building a community health hub so the women can get support, the young girls can get free sanitaries, free sexual health, someone to advise them about sexual health. There's a massive number of HIV patients there. And someone to talk to them about family planning, the average age of a mother of three is no older than 24. And some of them are really single mum. And my dream is to create a space where these girls can go and learn life skills, sewing, the young boys who are back within the community to learn how to work with their hands. A lot of them, my age, they're back in the community. They're dads, they're uncles, but because during the war, they've done really awful stuff. I think they, they just need someone to talk to them. Uh, I was telling them they're not crazy. They just need some rehabilitation, someone who understand how to survive that war. So a space like that with a playground where these children can go and play, give them sports activities and stuff. So I'm hoping Lumula Foundation will, will do that. But I want to start off with finishing a health hub. So at the moment, I'm building a health hub. So I'm hoping I'll be done by April on the health hub. The roof is going up from next week, Monday. And really, I could go on all the time. But I just want to say today, I find resilience in people like you guys. Everyone I seem to meet these days really inspires me and give me strength to carry on. And um, only thing I would say when you leave here today, I would say just let's learn to try and heal each other's and see beauty in all our differences and see refugees with an open mind. We are not this thing that the media is saying about us. We've really sacrificed so much to be where we are. If you ask me and Uganda was well, if I would want to leave my home, my family, everything I've known behind and my mom for 24 years to come. And, no, I would not do that. So let's just be a little bit kinder to each other's and especially refugees. Just see them with a different open mindset. We're just looking for security and freedom. That's it, really. You can catch up on all the videos from BOF Voices on our YouTube channel. Check out the link in the episode notes. The BOF podcast is edited and produced by Emma Clark and Eric Bria in the BOF studio team. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently and now I'm cooking new things every single night. 
Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.